Just as Eve was born from Adam's rib, so Myron died to give birth to Myra. Did Myron take his own life, you will ask? Yes and no is my answer. Beyond that, my lips are sealed. Let it suffice for me to say that Myron is with me and that I am the fulfillment of all his dreams. Who is Myra Breckenridge? What is she? Myra Breckenridge is a dish. And don't you ever forget it, your mother as the children say nowadays. The depositions had been delayed, but the prosecution was about to get a Lord and Taylor bag full of evidence. We supply the glitter, glue, the crepe paper, and the ready-made template pages for you to decorate and fill out with my favorite birthday, foreign bank statements, and of course, family secrets. The scrapbooking sting had helped the DA gather evidence against people as diverse as Ken Lay. Oliver North, but ironically, not Martha Stewart. So, dig up whatever you can, and remember, photocopies are not admissible as memories. Uh, sir, I'm going to have to go to our old family storage unit in Reseda. No problem. We can arrange for a helicopter to take you there right now. Wow, this is the best free scrapbooking class I've ever taken. Chris Scalzi here with Matt Owl. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to chug some pin particles via our favorite Wolverine beer funnel and shrink down to the Quantumverse to check out the latest... Let's stick with the latest goings-on in the MCU with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Matt, this time we get a legit Kang. Not a, you know, he-who-remains Kang, but finally, one of my favorite MCU villains, Kang. But, uh, at least one of them. Does Phase 5 kick off with a kablooey? Or more of a whimper. Then it's the uh, Nazi Werewolf Matt movie. Not Werewolf. Werewolf movie. Burial. Brana and her Russian comrades. Some say comrades. I like comrades, personally. But I've heard people say comrades. Well, Matt, they're on a mission to bring a body back to Stalin. Through enemy territory-ish. It's Poland. War's over. They're going through Poland. And shenanigans ensue. There's the effervescent rundown of the big releases on physical media featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the show by attempting to hammer out a definitive MCU ranking. How low will those first couple of Thor films go? I guess you're about to find out. But let's start everything off with a clip from Ant-Man and the Wasp. There are beings down here, intelligent beings. I always theorized it was possible, but to be here, a subatomic universe, this changes everything we know about life, evolution, our place in the galaxy. Holy That guy looks like broccoli. He <laughs> sure did, Matt. He sure did. So we are back in the uh, Ant-Man universe here in the mm-hmm. MCU. Mm-hmm. I think we both really enjoyed the first film. Mm-hmm. The second film, I think I... It, okay. I'll say I think I defined it as basically everything that is good and bad about the MCU. I quite enjoy the second film, for the record. So, what is Quantum Mania all about? Well, it's after the end events of um, Endgame. Scott Lang is li- living his best life. i not clear if he's married to hope van dyne uh, but they're in a long-term relationship and he's trying to reconnect with his daughter who obviously he lost a lot of time with while he was snapped or trapped in the quantum realm she with the help of uh hank and hope build a kind of mapping communication device of the quantum realm and that alerts some people down there that people are looking and the five of them get sucked down into the quantum realm where they discover that it is a completely self-contained universe with 
all kinds of dunes are transpiring, as people like to say. You're down there, you're a Kang, all of a sudden you get this little beacon and you're like, Whoa! <laughs> so it's like, all right, now is the uh, big time, my big chance to exact some revenge and maybe finally escape from mm-hmm. the uh, quantum verse. I think we get into some general spoilers, right? Sure, That he was banished there by this unknown group of people who supposedly Mm -hmm. are even more powerful than he is. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about who those people are at the end. But, yeah, so they get sucked into it. They got to fight their way out and possibly stop Kang from escaping as well. And we get the Micronauts, Mm -hmm. which I think is fun. Yeah. We get MODOK. Yep. Which is fun. Yep. And I think, well, no, let me, I'm going to put a pin in that. I'm not, I'm going to, I may retract that statement. And like I said, we get Kang for real. Mostly. Yeah. yeah. Mostly. Yeah. So Matt, I described Ant-Man and the Wasp as everything that is good and bad about the MCU. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like I could soundboard this entire review with uh, stuff, clips from myself from uh, the other uh, episode. But here's the thing. I think what I liked about the first Ant-Man is it is a smaller in scale, mm-hmm. right? And the whole thing is Scott Lang is a thief who's trying to turn his life around and do the right thing. And he does have to kind of steal something this time, right? Mm-hmm. But I think an inherent weakness is when you try to make... It's, it's like doing something with Spider-Man. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't want a Spider-Man in this big cosmic fight. That's right. not kind of his thing. And that's kind of what we do here. Everything in this film is bigger and, I, I think, worser. I mean, does he have to steal something? Sure. But it's too big. It's too mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. It's it's cosmic, even, really. And I think we've lost a bit of what made Ant-Man special and fun. I think that Peyton Reed and the crew um, basically just really rev up the stakes to a... I don't know if just ridiculous thing portion is right, because the problem is we're introducing Kang as the next big baddie, right? Mm-hmm. He's our next Thanos. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think this thing really works for me the whole thing felt basically inert to me the entire time mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on uh quantum mania yeah so i know this thing is not doing well review wise i think it might have be the lowest or second lowest uh set of reviews maybe the s- lowest or second lowest uh, cinema score which is kind of audience reactions from the initial like previews and stuff i have to say i don't know if i agree with that there are a lot of other MCU films that I didn't like a lot more than I didn't like this one, even some very recent ones, um, like the bulk of phase four is really unimpressive when you go back and kind of look at it. So I don't think it's as bad as everybody's making it out to be. Um, but I feel like some real fatigue is setting in. I think Mm. there's too much. Um, I think like you said, you've taken this kind of, small scale character haha pun intended um and made him this kind of uh, linchpin to what's going on in the future and it doesn't really fit i can't say it doesn't it doesn't necessarily that it couldn't work or that it doesn't always work through this there are parts of this that i found quite entertaining but a lot of it it just doesn't feel right not to say that it's terrible but yeah i'm not quite sure where they're going with this i i really really believe and maybe we can talk about this later or maybe we can talk about it now that the events of the past like four or five years really screwed up the marvel plan um from what they had planned and now they're trying to they're struggling trying to get everything back together with all this new stuff they've got to account for what are you referring to? Are you talking like pandemic stuff? Or so, yeah, I think it's it's a few things. Postman? One, pandemic. Um, you know, movies came out later than they intended to. They had to shuffle things around. Um, the Fox acquisition is a big one because whatever yeah. they had planned out, now it's like, okay, scrap all that. You got to get a, figure out a way to get X-Men and Fantastic Four and everything. We just spent billions of dollars for you to get that in here. So whatever they had planned, that's all gone. And... Whatever they've already too far along that they had to keep, they have to somehow shoehorn it in to what they've got to, to plan. And then you've just got other events, you know, Chadwick Boseman's untimely death, which obviously impacted whatever they had planned for that character, all kinds of things like that. So you kind of take all these events, and it's amazing they've been able to keep at least some semblance of what they've been able to put up on screen. Yeah, I... 
Yeah. That's interesting that this is the film that's just a victim of all of that. Because again, it's the jokes in it, I think, are just mostly okay. Mm-hmm. From what I read online, too, it's basically like a retread of a Rick and Morty episode, like a very specific episode. Mm. And as I found out that's because it's written by the writer of that episode oh, okay. on Rick and Morty. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but I think one of the big issues I have with this film, too, is John Majors. I feel like he's lost in this film. Mm-hmm. That I think. When he finally has a moment to share his lines with us and his performance, they're mostly engrossing because he's he's able to relay this kind of underlying percolating rage that is tempered with this soft delivery. And I found it quite engaging. I like mm-hmm. the entirety of the film, which is kind of big and boisterous and filled with colors and, you know, interesting creature designs. And I like a lot of that stuff. But I just think he's horribly underutilized in this and i don't quite get him Mm. you know i I understand i think part of the issue is that kang's entire kind of history even the comics too it's very dense Mm -hmm. and it's almost purposefully confusing he's had lots of different he's been lots of different characters and lots of different roles and lots of different timelines and those are some of the people we see at the end of the film right Mm -hmm. we see immortus kang which is the supposedly the older wiser kang Mm-hmm. who kind of runs everything, and it's kind of like, all right, maybe I need to chill out a bit and not be so reactionary. Mm-hmm. Then there's Ramatut, who's the Egyptian version. And then there's this weird, you know, turn-of-the-century millennium rave king Kang, <laughs> who I guess is supposed to be the Scarlet Centurion, okay. I read online. Okay. But I didn't get that from his costume design in any capacity. Sure. And I love all those characters. I mean, I think they're all really interesting. And then in the end, we get like one of our spoiler or one of our teaser images is all the Kang. So I guess what happens at the end of the Loki series yeah. when he gets killed, all of the divergent, what do they call them? Is variants. The, variants mm-hmm. kind of snap back into existence. Right. And now they're all been collected in this area. They're finally going to move forward and like conquer what all time and space. Right. I guess. I, I don't know. But it still all feels kind of underwhelming to me. Mm. Like, it doesn't have that kind of Thanos feel to it. And then, honestly, I think Kang is a very interesting character you could do a lot with. And I just, I'm not feeling that yet so far. Yeah, I think part of it is that I think there's a, a lack of confidence, I think, in the. MCU, the people who are running the MCU, that people are going to understand what they're doing with this um, mm-hmm. in the sense of a multiverse of variant timelines and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of hand-holding and there's a lot of, okay, do you really get this kind of scene setting before they kind of want to move forward? Like Thanos is very easy. He's got a MacGuffin. It's a magic thing. If he gets all the parts of the magic thing, he can destroy the universe. Yep. That's easy to understand, right? Whereas... All of this, you know, variants, and it's a guy from the 31st century, and it's like, you know, his powers, are they really powers? It's really technology, and the one we got to worry about is the one called the Conqueror. Like, all this stuff, it's all very complicated, and while I think people who are well-versed in the comic, like you or I, can quickly grasp onto this stuff, but you're trying to present it to people who've never picked up a comic in their life, and I think there's a lot of hesitancy and maybe a lot of lack of confidence that people are going to be able to get on board with this, that they're going to understand it. But again, I'm not convinced that this is the way that they wanted to go. I think they went this way because it's the only way they could figure out, or they thought they could figure out how to bring in what they just bought. I guess so. I mean, I guess, yeah, that makes a little bit of sense to me. And it opens the door too. If, if RDJ or, uh, Cap want to come back too, right? Yeah. In any capacity, you can kind right. of pop in for a movie too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, fine. all right. So another couple things. Modok, I think the effect looks horrible. In re- intentionally, he gets his... I think intentionally though, because Modok is looks... an idiotic character. He is, that... but it's like it looks like bad CGI. You telling me they couldn't clean that up a little bit? Uh, who knows? The whole thing is green screen. I, I really don't know. And there is too. There's a moment I could swear, and I was watching this in the Dolby theater, man. Where I could swear I thought I saw a Kang suit flicker mm. at one point too, mm-hmm. like like a bad or an unfinished or broken effect. I, yeah. I don't know. And then we recast Cassie for some reason. I yeah. like Catherine Newton, but I feel it doesn't really she's matter. Not, she's not really that good in this either. No, 
It, and I don't think many of them really. I don't think there's a lot of great perform. You really get the feel that people are interacting in front of a green screen with mm-hmm. not a lot of practical effects or even actors or stuff in front of them or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It does kind of have this weird kind of, I don't know if stale is the right word, but very, I think, what did I say? It's just, just inert kind of stale almost feel to it, even though they're creating this wondrous world, but it all feels just kind of... Insubstantial. It's yeah. like you could tell it's not there. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, I don't know. And then, too, I think one of the big things that hurts the film, but there's no way to figure it out, I think, to really work it in, is no Luis. Mm, we got no I Michael know. Pena. I know. No, no Michael Pena, no Judy Greer, no Bobby, Bobby Cannavale. I mean, like, there's... I kind of miss those characters. Yeah, so, ah, that was disappointing for me. Yeah. Maybe you set it up where Luis is telling the story. Mm. He's the bookends. Yeah. I, I don't know, yeah. but... Still, that was a bit of a, a disappointment for me as well. Yeah, it's just... I don't know if it's... Do I have MCU fatigue at this point? I mean, I I, I get excited every time yeah. when I go walk yeah. into these. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, and I just... It's... I think Majors and Kang deserve a more interesting and thrilling film than, than, yeah. than this. Yeah. And it just feels kind of like a repaint yeah. of an MCU film that we've seen before. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's a few things I, I, that I will say. Okay, one, I just want to get something out of the room. I don't think the – there are some not great moments in this, but the FX are not as bad as people are making it out to be. Yeah, now, I think that's fair. people are comparing that to Avatar, which is not that fair because James Cameron's been working on it for like 15 years. So, like, mm. I mean, you give anybody that amount of time to work on something, they'll do uh, – They'll do a great job. But I think ultimately what this thing boils down to is that one, there's no phase four was a weird kind of lull phase. All those movies were about grief and loss and they weren't about, you know, setting up what's to come. And now I almost feel like, we're in back in phase one again. Most of phase one movies, most of them are not that great. It's just that they had a capper that was really well sold. I mean, the Avengers was something that they managed to pull off, but the most, everything kind of before it, not that good for the most part. Um, there are some standouts, but not much. We didn't have an Avengers type movie in this. And I think we're kind of back to, okay, we got to do all this groundwork laying to make people care. And, We've done that already, and people are like, "No, no, no! I want to, I want it to be as exciting and kind of constantly ramping as we had before, like at their peak with the Phase Three stuff." Yeah. No, I think that's that's pretty accurate there. Yeah. So, what do we got? Well, we can talk about this, I guess, when we get to the final segment. But mm-hmm. well, Fee came out and horizon. said they're going to slow down. That they're yeah. that they're going to slow down a year instead of four. Yeah. I mean, honestly, maybe less shows. Um, I heard that they're going to try and bring it, make a created in-house effects studio, which I think would really help because some of this complaints yeah. about their effects, because apparently it's all contract work. They farm it out to hunt, you know, dozens of different effects studios or whatever. And I think the quality that comes back is a lot, you know, varies a lot. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll have to check that out then. All right. Matt, any final thoughts on Quantum Mania? Yeah, I will say this. I know we picked on it a lot. I think there's a lot of people picking on it. At the end of the day, I still was entertained by it. It's not as bad as people are making it out to be. Maybe it's a letdown. I think there's a lot of people who are expecting a lot and didn't really get it. Um, But I think after things like my letdowns from like three in a row of multiverse of madness, love and thunder and Wakanda forever, I didn't have huge, huge, uh, huge Mm. expectations going in. So, I'm going to give it a B minus personally. Wow. Okay. I had a good enough time watching it. I'm giving it a C minus. Oh, so uh, really far. Go. That's really, I'm surprised it's that low. Yeah. I just, I, I just didn't, I felt like, what was the point of all this? And I feel mm. like that's where I've been in the last bunch of them is that it's just, it's another chapter in a book, but that it's a book. It's a story. that doesn't really feels like it's going anywhere. I feel like we've been spinning our tires now for mm-hmm. like two years. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe I should just be happy to get an interesting and semi-fun 
superhero movie, I guess. Yeah. I, I well, I know. guess think of it like it is like it's a true comic. Like how all comics are is maintaining the status quo, right? It's it's a soap yeah. opera that never ends. And if you just look at That's it true. that way, that every particular issue of your favorite comic, like 75% of them are going to be pointless and who cares kind of thing. Not all yep. of them are events. No, that's a good point. You know, the thing that always drives me crazy, and I don't know why I hate this so much, why? is anytime everybody magically removes their helmets, oh. the digital, <laughs> you know, how everything gets kind of, well, it's right. all, um, what do you call it? The little mini robots there now, right? Nanobots? Nanobots, right? Yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And he just throws his head back and everything kind of flips down. And it's, I don't know, it just drives me crazy. I have no idea why. No do you really want to? So do you want to see Scott Lang running or Paul Rudd running around with a with his helmet under his arm for the whole thing? No, no, I'd like to see him run around with his helmet on. That's yeah, but I, I know they're movie stars, so they yeah. need to be. You have to see their mug as much as possible, right? But when they do a lot of that stuff, like there was one, like was it all the the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies always had the end with him getting his mask ripped off? Yeah, so Tobey Maguire could emote. Right. And always, I hate it so much. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. If you chance to see Quantum Mania, shoot us an email at feedback at the first run dot com. Man. Okay. <laughs> Matt, let's keep rolling. Let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming. I mean, it's just that I like John Majors a lot. And I like Kang a lot. And you I know just what? walked out of this thinking, that was great. He's in the movie for about 20 minutes. And yeah. he's menacing enough. And then he gets his butt kicked by a bunch of ants. And then it's over. Yeah, I mean, but did you think he was going to win? I mean, he's not going to win, right? But I also know, well, I don't know. Why not? Why can't? We're, because. Well, I get he can't escape. But he could. I for a while I thought, oh, they're going to trap Ant Man and Wasp from the quantum realm. Mm. I'm like, well, that would be interesting, and maybe he escapes with. They escape with Kang so, at some point. I mean, that so would be comic book nerd but, thing. They said that Scott was in a probability storm like five times, right? And then yeah. Kang goes into that device, right? I think what's going to end up happening, he's going to be in there, passing. You know, it'll be like a thousand years past for him or whatever. Well, it's like you know. You know, five years outside or whatever it is, and he's going to come back like a thousand times worse than he is. I think that's part of what they're they needed him to be weak enough to where you could conceivably say Scott's going to be able to get out. They're going to be able to keep him in there, but because if he's so smart, he's going to immediately be able to get out. But when he does come out, he's going to be a much bigger threat. I guess, and I swear to God, if Loki season two is then just chasing around Victor Timely in the (laughs) 1900s for an entire season, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) You know what? Yeah. You got to keep your expectations low, man, I think. I guess. Because I really like that Loki show. I actually had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, so so did I. I liked it too. Oh, I finished Sandman, by the way. I rather enjoyed it. Though I didn't watch the special bonus episode yet, but I did make it through the whole regular yeah season so i thought yeah. that was pretty good yeah that was a good one i like i that was pretty faithful to the comic i was pretty impressed yeah. at how close they hewed to it there you go all right there we go how about we move on physical media upcoming <laughs> tuesday february 28th i oof i love this as a kid even though it's older than me it's probably my favorite animated batman and it's coming out on blu-ray the adventures of batman with robin boy wonder Batman and Robin, dynamic duo against crime and corruption, whose real identity is millionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne and his young ward Dick Grayson are known only to Alfred, the faithful butler. Ever alert, they respond swiftly to a signal from the police, and moments later, from the secret Batcave deep beneath Wayne Manor, they roar out to protect life, limb, and property as Batman and Robin, cake crime fighters. Batman and Robin, scourge of Gotham City's kooky criminals. The Joker, clown prince of crime. The Penguin, pudgy purveyor of perfidy. And the cool, cruel Mr. Freeze. Watch out, villains. Here come Batman and Robin. Only ran for one season, Matt. Uh, February, February, no, coming up February 28th. 
from uh, 68 to 69. I did 34 episodes, but they're really they're 15 minutes each. So you basically had uh, 17 episodes right. and two 15 minuteers per day. But uh, I really like this from Filmation Studios. This is the one that featured Owen Soul as Batman and Casey Kasem as Robin. Mm. And Kasem, I think they would return to in the uh, Challenge of the Super Friends and some stuff later on. But I don't know. I always really enjoyed the uh, classic adventures of Batman. Did you ever catch up with it? You're much, much younger than me. Um, I, I, I'm, I probably did see it on, on Saturday morning cartoons or something, but I don't really remember that much about it. Yeah, that's that's fine. I've been in a weird cartoony mood. Like I, I was possessed with the urge to try and buy the uh, GI Joe mm. series. I tried yeah. to find them online, but they're yeah. like ridiculously expensive for yeah. like uh, digital copies. Okay, and you can buy a box set of the first series though. I think it's like fifty bucks. But I'm gonna start scouting eBay see if I can find one for like twenty five, thirty nice. instead. Nice. And uh, I don't know. I think it's on. I was funny. I, I think you can watch it on Amazon, though, with commercials. So maybe I'll try that instead. Man, G.I. Joe was always so funny. All of the realistic guns that are real military weapons all shooting lasers. Yes. Everybody's missing everybody. Like, hundreds of guys are all shooting at each other. Nobody gets hit by anything. And then anything, any vehicle that blows up, the guys that are in it manage to jump out seconds before it explodes. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. The mass device. I remember yeah. that one. Was it the weather dominator? Mm-hmm. But uh, I also, too, I started watching He-Man like a year or two ago. Yeah. And the animation on that is so bad. Yeah. It, like, they reuse scenes, like animation <laughs> over and over, yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. so bad. But I like so, <laughs> so many of the characters in it. Some of the, the character designs are so much fun. So, whatever, Chris, shut up. All right. So, Adventures of Batman has got our number five. Oh, shoot. Hold on. I'm still getting used to it, Matt. Number five. I haven't deleted this part. So that's number five. Then uh, Matt after that. Devotion. This is the John Major's Glenn Powell film that was just recently in theaters about the uh, U.S. Navy fighters in the Korean War. It's supposed to actually be pretty good, but the dogfights in it are supposed to be very, very good. Then you have Puss in Boots. There is a uh, Target 40-page gallery book. Universal Direct has a Puss in Pero squeeze toy. And uh, this is the latest adventure. I've heard actually Puss in Boots is very, very good. I've heard it. But that's I, really good too, yeah. Yeah, but I have not had a chance to see it yet. And I still have not had a chance to pull your uh, clips that you had sent me. Oh, I hope okay. I can get that done. I got a lot of screen run action going on right gotcha. now. So a short turnaround in a couple episodes. Um, there's some deleted scenes in that and a new short film called The Trident as part of that Puss in Boots sets. The two youths. So bad. Two I don't know why I do that. Uh-oh. What was that word? You know what? I'm still getting over an illness, and I hate that two ones. We're going to have that fix, but mm. I'm going to give myself a little palate cleanser here, Matt. Yeah! Jamesy! Thank you. Come on! Come on, little baby! Oh, I extended God. it for Matt, too, outside of just the Jamesy part. <laughs> Freaking me a goth, man. <laughs> Uh, where are we? We said number two. Number two. Uh, Criterion is putting out the Hollywood Shuffle. The Robert Townsend film gets a brand new 4K restoration about an actor limited to stereotypical roles by his ethnicity. Dreams of making a big mat as a highly respected performer. As he makes his rounds, the film takes a satirical look at African-American actors in Hollywood. Includes an all-new commentary by Townsend, new interviews with cast and crew members, and more. And then, uh, finally... There can be only one... We're going to go with two films by Marguerite de Ross from Criterion as well. Includes India Song from 75 and Baxter Vera Baxter from 75 as well. New 2K restorations on those. And uh, she had already established herself, Matt, as one of the major figures of post-war French literature when she launched an equally fascinating and unclassifiable career in cinema, translating her elliptical experimental style to the screen through an unprecedented fusion of hypnotic, highly stylized imagery and radically disjunctive sound. So you can pick up both of those films from Criterion. Matt, 4K releases, Box Trolls, the uh, Leica animated uh, group there is putting that in 4K. The Justin Hoffman film Marathon Man, is it safe? (laughs) Training Day, a film I do not enjoy, but I do like Denzel Washington's performance. And it sparked our Training Day scenario classification here. It's getting released in 4K. Rockies 1 through 4 are being put out as well and includes both cuts of Rocky 4 and 4K as a box set and also an individual release of Rocky 
And then, Matt, what I'm really looking forward to, because I've only owned this on DVD, though I think, in a weird way, DVD may be the best way to watch this film outside mm. of VHS, okay. and that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm. is being released in 4K. It's a brand-new, never-before-seen feature-length documentary called The Legacy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and several featurettes on the Blu-ray. I will pause it, though. Not pause it. I will point out. If you are open to imports from, like, a Diabolic DVD store or a Grindhouse, uh, Second Sight is putting out a uh, box set of this with some other interesting extras and some cards and uh, a whole bunch of stuff. And remember... Your 4Ks are almost universally uh, all region. There was recently one that was a smaller film that actually was region locked to the UK. It's the first mm-hmm. time I've ever heard of it. But you can pick this up from Second Sight and pre-order it from them if you want. Now, I have their Drive box set, which is just stunning and beautiful. And also their Dawn of the Dead box mm-hmm. set I bought as well in, in uh, 4K. And I well, I, basically all I did was I ripped off, the, I ripped, I, I ripped the features from the Blu-ray, so I have them digitally, so like because I couldn't watch the Blu-ray, unfortunately. Gotcha. So that's an option for you. And that's that because that Second Sight box set looks pretty sweet. So you may want if you're a TCM fan, you may, or you can get a uh, region-free player. There's a couple places you can buy them, and they're mm. not outrageously priced. Right. So there you go, Matt. You're straight to DVD pick of the week. I'm gonna go with Lost Faith. This is the classic kind of uh, just horrible film by Joel Wincoop. Uh, Steve Nakoda is a good guy in Matt having a bad day. After run-ins with both corrupt local cops and a satanic biker gang, his world is turned upside down when his beautiful model wife is kidnapped by an evil karate master and his nefarious henchmen, who keep a harem of abducted women confined in a jungle prison awaiting their sale into a white slavery ring. Nakoda soon realizes it will require much more than just his heroic courage, Matt, and martial arts expertise to defeat his enemies and rescue his wife. He must first reach deep down inside his soul and attempt to regain his lost faith. (laughs) What should we be streaming this week? So I started watching a new TV show. Um, I think it's just ended with three seasons. Uh, C on Apple Plus. Uh, starring Jason Momoa, and the only other person I'd really heard of was Alfred Woodard is in it as well. Um, it is about a future where there was an apocalypse pandemic of some kind where after it was done, only about two, three million humans were left on the planet, and they're all blind. Everybody who's born is blind, and that's how society goes. And of course, as you can imagine by the title, there's a couple kids who are born with the ability to see. And it is... Whoa ridiculous but it is actually kind of fun i'm enjoying watching it is it really yeah fun yeah it's a good show you're you're enjoying it yeah i mean i'm enjoying it i wouldn't say it's like a good show but it's like a (laughs) it's a it's a fun show like if you like genre sci-fi stuff yeah it's it's a fun show um but i wouldn't like put it up there with like breaking bad or anything like that Oh, well. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I don't know if I'll catch up. I've, I'm so behind on so many shows. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine picking up that. And then Ted Lasso Season 3 is going to start, I think, next month. Yeah. And I'm watching still The Last of Us, which I'm enjoying. But it's weird. I feel like sometimes the, the writing is a bit... I can't decide if the writing is a little too obvious and lazy on The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Or it's because I know what's coming. Sure. I'm not sure. Because the way they set up the decision Joel has to make, like it was episode four, they, mm. just, they basically lay it all out right okay. there, kind of how you get him to the point where what he's going to do. And um, I'm, I'm assuming that's because I know what's going to happen. I don't know. Either way. All right, fine, Chris, shut up. Let's move on. <laughs> Matt, spend a minute talking about our, uh, I'm, I got to say, I was excited, Matt. Nazi werewolves? Mm-hmm. How can you not get excited about Nazi werewolves? Well, sometimes because they're, they're not Nazi werewolves. Where are you going? To find supplies in the village near here. You can't. Can't? I mean, we shouldn't. It's not safe. We need to guard this. You can protect it. But our orders? You're supposed to be... Fine, you take these three and they can protect you. Vasilyeva. It's not safe to split up the group Ilyasov. Look around you. There's no one here. There's no one watching. No one cares. The war is over. The war is not over. Ours is. And you, you've ripped us from our well-earned celebration, so we're owed. The spoils of war. We're owed that much at least. 
Yeah, damn commies. Bunch of <laughs> Russians. Matt, burial, it's set at the uh, winning days of World War II, and a group of uh, Russian soldiers have been tasked by Stalin to bring somebody's body directly to Stalin. And they have to make their way through potentially Nazi-infested woods to uh, get through to Poland to finally get to the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about it, Matt, though, is that the uh, Nazis, the Werewolf brigade, brigade or troops or whatever they are, mm-hmm. what they do is they have a way to release this kind of gas that's a hallucinogen. That makes you think maybe that there's actually things out in the woods that maybe mm-hmm. they actually are werewolves. Yeah. But they're not. Yeah. Even though they wear like cute little werewolf hats and stuff. <laughs> right. So I love this idea. Yeah. I love the idea that you're a, uh, a, a small group of soldiers. What's like six of them? Mm-hmm. And they have to transport the body of, have you figured out who it is yet? <laughs> they have to transport the body of Hitler. Who could it be? Through the countryside. Um, because the Germans are desperate to not let it get out mm-hmm. that Hitler killed himself. Right. So um, they want to kind of keep the myth and the legend alive. And I love that. So let me ask, would this film have worked better if there actually were some supernatural elements to it? Because it almost feels like maybe at one point there were going to be, but then we kind of changed our mind halfway through. Right. I'm not quite sure. What, what are your thoughts on Burial? Yeah, so I mean... It starts off pretty good. Honestly, I think it would have been because, you know, the, the Verwolf uh, regiments or, or whatever, they were a real thing. Um, so I think it would have been much more interesting if they had approached it as the Verwolf regiments are real werewolves kind of thing. Mm. But the way they did it, I guess it could have been done effectively. But they kind of cut themselves off at the knees, like right away. Like they kind of explain everything and it just yeah. becomes like this. I don't even know what to call it. I wouldn't call it a war movie. It's like uh, two competing teams trying to like get to the prize at the end. And like, it just kind of falls apart pretty quickly. I, I was kind of disappointed by that. It had seemed to have a lot of promise when it started off, but it didn't, uh, didn't end that way. No, I agree with you entirely. I kept going back and forth too. I'm like, well, this have been better if it was a larger, bigger film. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm like like an old quiet in the restaurant fronty type type of a thing, right? Sure. Big stuff and uh, more violence, more. And then and I'm like, well, the, the key about these genre films is you, to make them work. You need to have some violence, some blood and gore, and this does have some of that. Yeah. But there's it's still not that nasty. It's not that intense. There's a couple scenes, but that's it. There's really not a lot there. There's I the film. Well, there's a certain lack of propulsion in the film too, which is oddly absent when everything seems. Like, it would be, like, a terrifying thing going through the woods at night. Maybe you had a, a rainstorm one night, you know, mm. and there's lightning, and you don't see something off in the distance. I don't know. Maybe you don't have to add the supernatural elements, but we need to amp up, I think, the scares and the thrills that I think are just strangely mostly lacking from this film. It's yeah. the second movie from uh, writer-director Ben Parker, and I think there's promise here. I just think we need to tweak things up, tighten things up a bit. I think it's shot relatively well. Mm-hmm. I think the atmospherics fit overall are good, are good. And I still think it's a fun idea. I just I just want a little more. You know, crank up the nastiness a little bit more. Add us a little more atmospherics. Make it a, just get a little scarier, a little more unsettling. Um, or, like, go in with the supernatural elements. Just go for it. Yeah. Um, like, like Overlord, kind of, you know? Right. I, I don't know. I mean, I agree. I think it's fine. It would have been fine with me if it wasn't supernatural, but at the very least, I think they need to keep the audience on an you know uneven ground so they're never quite settled and, they, and maybe keep the mystery going a little bit longer yeah. and definitely bring a sense of suspense to it because there's like none at all like throughout this whole thing, um, which was really disappointing. I think there's like you said, there's a lot of potential. It looks pretty good. Um, the idea is not a terrible one. Uh, I just think it was really lacking in execution, so hopefully he learns from his mistake. Yeah, and I think the lead, Charlotte Vega, does a pretty good job, too. She's the soldier determined to complete the mission. Everyone else is kind of, not everybody, but a bunch of people are kind of like, oh, let's go screw around or yeah. whatever the case may be. So I found, I found her engaging, not that she was good. But, yeah, I don't know. We just need to tighten the strings up a little bit here. 
So um, I'm going to give Burial Matt another C minus. That's where I'm rolling. Yeah, I'm going to give it a C minus as well. It was pretty disappointing after some initial promise as it kicked off. Yeah, yeah, I think you're entirely right too. Revealing the Germans to just be Germans, and you know, like within what, like 20 minutes or something like yeah. that, is it really should have waited till, if not the end, or maybe like a final reveal. Yeah, at the very, I don't know, something, just little tweaks here and there. Yeah. So, uh, Burial is currently streaming on Shutter. If you had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. All right, Matt. My uh, my cold medicine is starting to wear are off here. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, try and get through this. I have my letter boxed up and ready to go. Me too. And um, let's try and hammer out this ranking of the MCU. I was trying to pull a clip, and I thought, let's, it may not be the best film in the MCU, but I think it's still the one I enjoy the most. And then watching this clip made me really reevaluate the latest film in this series, thinking, oh, wow, there is a serious lack of magic in that sequel that is just all over this one. Is that a dragon fight? It is. My God. Is the famed sword of the Valkyrie? So, Sakaar and Asgard are about as far apart as any two known systems. Our best bet is a wormhole just outside of city limits. If you're on Zandon, we can be back in Asgard in 18 months? Nope. We are going through the big one. The devil's anus? Anus? Wait, wait, wait. Who's anus? For the record, I didn't know it was called that when I picked it. That looks like a collapsing neutron star inside of an Einstein-Rosen bridge. We need another ship. That will tear mine to pieces. She's right. We need one that can withstand the geodetic strain from the singularity. And has an offline power steering system that could also function without the onboard computer. And we need one with cup holders because we're going to die. So, trains. So, the thing about Ragnarok that I think it works so well, Matt, yeah. is it feels effortless. Right. It feels breezy and fun. And Love and Thunder doesn't feel like that to me at all. Right. Everything feels forced. You know, and I think that inevitably is my issue with Love and Thunder. I enjoyed it. I think it played better the second time I watched it. Mm-hmm. But then revisiting Ragnarok to pull some clips, and I'm like, oh my god, no. Ragnarok yeah. is such a superior film. It is. It's way better. So, all right. So how are we going to do this? Are we going to do like a, a pseudo top five where we do like six at a time and then we talk about it? Or, how, or just one at a time? Or how do you want to do this? Oh, that's a good question. I was gonna, I was just gonna run down all of them from the bottom to the top, just okay. name mine. Okay. And then nobody should do. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pull your letterbox up too, right next to mine. That's okay. what I should have done, because I am smart. <laughs> do I follow you on letterbox? Probably don't. There you are. There you are, you handsome devil. <laughs> Let's go to your lists. Obligatory MCU ranking. Okay. Now I feel better. All right. So I got, starting from the bottom map, I'm going to go Black Widow, Thor Dark World, Thor. I moved the Incredible Hulk up. Iron Man 2, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, The Avengers, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder. I think I may swap those two. Doctor Strange, Iron Man 3, Captain America, the first Avenger, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel, Shang-Chi, Black Panther, Guardians Volume 2, Spider-Man Far From Home, Infinity War, Homecoming, Guardians 1, Iron Man, Civil War, Endgame, Ragnarok, Winter Soldier, and the number one being No Way Home. Mm -hmm. What about you? All right, so my bottom is uh, Incredible Hulk, First Thor, Iron Man 2, Thor The Dark World, Avengers Age of Ultron, The Eternals, Wakanda Forever, Iron Man 3, um, Captain America the First Avenger, Love and Thunder, um, Captain Marvel, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Multiverse of Madness, Quantumania, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Ant-Man, Guardians 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Iron Man, Avengers... Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Civil War, Far From Home, Homecoming, Guardians 1, Thor Ragnarok, Winter Soldier, and No Way Home is my favorite. All right, so our threes are the same. Top three is the same. Okay. 
and then I have uh, Endgame, and then Civil War. You have Guardians, and then uh, what is it? Homecoming. Yeah. I just realized I didn't have Eternals, so I swapped. I put Eternals between Wakanda Forever and Avengers. Okay. And now I need to add Quantum Mania, Ant Man, and Walsh Quantum Mania. I'm gonna where I'm gonna put that bad bear. I'm gonna go ahead of Avengers: Age of Ultron, but after Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay. You have Hulk as your last. What's your reasoning behind that? <sighs> I remember one. I think I've only tried to revisit it once since I initially saw it. I think just the fact that they've completely jettisoned. God, I even forgot his name. What's his name? Uh, Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler is her usual cardboard self. Um, I just think it was just altogether forgettable. Like, I just was not excited about it at all. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. And I just moved Incredible Hulk today, and I have not watched it since it came out. So I think that's fair. You know what? I'm easily convinced and swayed. I will make Incredible Hulk back to my bottom rung. Okay. And then I have... I still can't believe you have Black Widow so high. Yeah. I don't... I mean, that thing is horrible. You think so? Yes, I do. I don't know if I think it's horrible. Taskmaster's terrible. Hate what they did to Taskmaster. Yes. Maybe... I do move it down. You had it dead last. Well, yeah. Now I have it in front of Incredible Hulk. Now I have so Incredible you think Hulk, it's better? Widow. You think it's worse than the first two Thor movies in Age of Ultron? I think so. Hmm. I think so. I, I I just think it's it's such a waste. I think some of the yeah. I I remember walking out of that thing being like. Now I haven't seen either Thor film in a very long time, but I remember them being incredibly dull. Yeah. But they didn't like make me angry. Black right. Widow had moments that made me angry. Like Did this it? is dumb. Yeah, but I like well, the Taskmaster thing is so bad. It is so bad. But I really liked. I really liked Florence Pugh. I yeah. really liked David Harbour. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. You know what? I will go. <laughs> I will push Black Widow above the Thor films. Okay. I will make that uh, adjustment for you. Thank you. So now I have Hulk, Thor. Then I have Dark World. Now I have Black Widow, and then I have Iron Man two. So you you have Iron Man two a lot higher, huh? No, I so. Oh, I where is? I, oh no, I have it. You have it's it right my Thor. Third worst. Third worst. Yeah. Actually, you know All what's right. weird? I don't like Thor: Dark World, but I think it's actually better than the original Thor. Because mm-hmm. um, I've seen it, I've seen both of them multiple times, just catching them with the TV running. Um, yeah. But that that first Thor film is is really bad. Yeah. All right. So, all right, so we have Age of Ultron is really bad, but I have it ahead of... So the only difference we have here, really, is, is Black Widow. Yeah. And then... You know what? You've um, talked me into it. I'm going to drop Go Black Widow way down. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's better than the Thors, and I still think it's better than Iron Man 2, so I'll put it up above those. All right, so... Then we're not that far off them. So I have Hulk, Thor, Dark World, Widow. I have Iron Man 2 ahead of Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. I mean, how many turns do you polish? Age of, and then I have Age of Ultron. And then I have Quantumania, which I put below the Wasp, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I have both of those below Wakanda Forever. Do you? Like, Yeah, and I have Eternals then above that. I can't believe you dislike Eternals that much. What is your beef with Eternals? I again, I don't have a beef with Eternals. It's just I watched it again and I'm like this is just so like the first 60 70 minutes of this is just so blah and uninspiring. Like it's I don't it's just it seems so wooden. It doesn't get exciting until they're like kicking each other's asses at the end. That's really the best part of the movie. Now, it it looks great. Um yep. but it's I just the ensemble's too big. Everybody seems to be in a different movie. It just it doesn't work. Hmm. When was the last time you watched it? In the theater. Mm. You probably want to watch it again. See what you think. All right. Well, all right. I'm not going to ju- mu- budge on my Ant Man stuff. I don't know what we're going to do about that. Yeah, because I really enjoy the Ant Man movies. <laughs> that's that's a real problem. All right, but I am open to moving Wakanda forever in front of Eternals. Okay. 
So we have to yeah. hammer out. No, I'm I'm okay with that. I have Wakanda Forever in front of Eternals. All right. So then I have Avengers, the first one. Yeah, see, I liked the first Avengers way more than you did. Yeah. You have it at 10. Holy mackerel. I'm trying to come up with like a, fir- a first a first run <laughs> a list. Twenty one. A first. All right, this list. isn't going to work. We'll be here all day. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So let's. Well, you want to just focus on like the top ten? See if we can get that done, and then we'll just call it, and then we'll have to come up. We'll we'll work on a definitive list for the show later. Okay. All right. Okay. So we've got one through three is locked. We're solid. Yeah. We we I think know so. that those are the three best films in the MCU. All right. Then I have number four. I have his Endgame. Okay. And you have Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Make your argument. Just something way different. It is, you know, at the time and still really, it's not, it's got a whole different vibe. It kind of brings the whole cosmic vibe. It's got some humor to it. Um, And it's just an overall fun movie to watch, like from beginning to end. Like if you catch it, it's one of those films that if you just catch it, somebody's watching it and you just kind of walk in, you'll stop and start watching it. Whereas with Endgame for me, it's more like... Depends on where you are in it. And it's better than Iron Man, and it's better than Civil War. Yeah. Where would you have it? Where do you have it? I have it. Let's talk again. I don't have your list in front of me. So what do you have? What's your top 10 again? All right. So No Way Home, Winter Soldier, Ragnarok 3, Endgame 4, Civil War 5, Iron Man 6, Guardians 7, Homecoming 8, Infinity War 9, Far From Home 10. Okay. So the only one that we don't have is you have you don't have Avengers in the top ten. Otherwise no. our top ten is the same, just in different orders. Alright, so you're gonna have to yank you're gonna have to remove Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> For what? Iron Man? Iron Man at ten? Yeah, that's what I have. Alright. I have fine. Iron Man as one, two, three, four, five, six. Alright, now so I, I have... will meet I will move Guardians to four for the okay. show. I think that is a fair I think that's fair. Okay. So then you have Homecoming at five. Can I get Homecoming to five? I currently have it at... So I I know my... I have Spider-Man so high because of my Spider-Man bias. I completely Mm -hmm. will acknowledge that I may be... That that is just a personal preference. If we're trying to do some kind of definitive thing, I would be open to shuffling that around some if we had to. All right. So I have Avengers Endgame at five and Civil War at six. Okay. Can you go Endgame at five with me? Sure. Look at you. Do you think Endgame is better than Infinity War? I do. Obviously do. Okay. In fact, Infinity War, I think I have is where? Is that 10? It's nine. Okay. So when I, all right. So that's good. So I'm, and what I'll do too is I will redo my personal list. But when we're done here, I will rename this the first run official list. Yeah. And then you can copy it and post it on yours, I guess, as well. And then okay. we can... Resetting. No Way Home 1. Winter Soldier 2. Ragnarok 3. Guardians 4. Endgame 5. Locked in. Mm-hmm. So now we're focusing on 6 through 10. Yes. I have Civil War, Iron Man, Homecoming, Infinity War, Far From Home. All right. So I can put Civil War at 6 because it's at 7 for me. So that's not a huge deal. Okay. So now we're at 7, 8, 9, and 10. So I have Iron Man at 7. Mm-hmm. Homecoming at 8. Infinity War at 9. Far From Home at 10. Okay. So, I am okay at putting Far From Home. Because I feel like those, like, Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame, they're, they're almost like they have to go to wet together. So, why don't we move, can we move to, like, Infinity War to 7 or 8? Sure. I can do that. That would drop Far From Home to me. To 10. Mm-hmm. And if I move it up, do I move it past Homecoming? So you have it at five. So now I'm dropping Homecoming to uh, nine if I do that. And then I have Iron Man uh, seven. I think I can move Iron Man down. Okay. I can go... I can go nine or ten on Iron Man if that'll help you. Okay. I would be okay with putting it at nine to split the difference because I'm so accommodating. I appreciate that. All right, so here's where I am. We can we don't have to worry about the top five. Those are mm-hmm. locked in at this point. 
So that leaves, now I have Civil War at 6, Infinity War at 7, Homecoming 8, Iron Man 9, Far From Home 10. I think that works. We're good. Yeah, I think so. All right. So, counting down. Number 10, Spider-Man Far From Home. Number 9, Iron Man. Number 8, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number 7, Avengers Infinity War. Number 6, Civil War. Number 5, Endgame. 4, Guardians 1. 3, Ragnarok. 2, Winter Soldier. 1, No Way Home. I'm really surprised that we had the same number one. Yeah. All right. Look at that. Maybe another time we can revisit then and do uh, try the do the other other sides there the other remaining 312 <laughs> MCU films. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't include the TV shows as well. I know, God. right? Do you um, like Str- Doctor Strange or Multiverse of Madness better? Which ones do you do you prefer? Uh, I think I like Doctor Strange better. I've revisited both of them, and there are parts of Multiverse of Madness, but I had such high expectations that I'm just kind of bitter about uh, where it ended up. Fair. Yeah, I think the problem that you and I are going to have is I my disdain for Black Widow and the two Ant-Man sequels. Yeah, I I can... I. That's going to be our hang-up. I yeah, I think I'm okay. I think I, I can admit that I'm wrong potentially about uh, black widow um but yeah you're gonna have to meet me halfway on ant-man because it's so much fun well i do have the first one pretty high up there yeah and i have guardians at 11 what's your 11 let's look at it your guard your 11 is iron man yeah unless alex i should refresh your list just in case there we go yeah you're you have iron man at 11 i have guardians too there you go wait a minute how's that possible we locked in Hmm. oh no wait no one, two, three, four, five. Eight. I have Iron Man at nine. How is your Iron Man eleven? You just haven't updated your list. Yeah, I haven't changed it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I got all concerned for a second. I'm like, wait, what happened? What yeah. happened? <laughs> Actually, I have a clip for it there, and I didn't even uh, use it. That's uh, very embarrassing for me. All right. I guess that's it then. Good times. Yeah. I can't wait to edit this disaster. Cool, Matt. <laughs> How would you rank your 10 favorite MCU films? And do you have a letterbox account? Drop it, folks. We'd love to follow you. Uh, hit us up at feedback at thefirstrun.com. And uh, Matt, what is your letterbox so people can find you? That is a great question. I don't even remember. Uh, let me see. Oh, I have it up. I can tell people. Oh, okay. It's uh, Matt Hell. So there you go. <laughs> I think I was a pretty early adopter of Letterbox, yeah. so it. Uh, You're a pro guy too. I'm yeah. a pro guy too. I just don't use it as much as I want. I really should, but I, I, I just don't use it. Yeah, you know, I'm in my early 40s. I can afford whatever it is, twenty dollars a year. So yeah, it's not know. bad. Yeah, and I'm Chris Scalzo, so that you can find me there as well. So I will publish that. I'll update it to be the official, and then I'll kind of redo it so it's my own. And uh, that's my thing I do the most, Matt, is I, I do lists. I like do doing lists. Yeah, I have to, I'll have to look at your uh, your lists and see what I haven't done many. So at MCU, I have Screen Run, where I, I add, when the Screen Run episode drops, mm-hmm. I will add a film. And in fact, Matt, we did just drop um, Starman. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. So I have that as, um, yeah, it's, I think it's still... Is it my least favorite? I think it's above Dark Star. Yeah, it's above Dark Star. All right. So, yeah, no, I have on there, Matt. I've ranked my MCU 007. I have all my Bond films ranked. Oh. Alien franchise ranked. Halloween movies ranked. And Star Trek. I haven't done Star Wars. Interesting. I'll have to get on that. Good times. All right, folks. <laughs> Feedback at firstrun.com. Uh, Matt, what are we doing next week? As this show slowly peters out. Yeah. Um, that is another great question. I like got interrupted. Ago. I got interrupted while I was going to look it up. Well, let's see what we got here. I feel like something big, relatively cocaine big, is coming out. Oh, yeah, cocaine. I, okay, I, I take that back. Something that's not particularly big is coming out. Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear and EO. Yeah, right. That's which right. is uh, streaming on the Criterion channel. I've been really looking forward to EO. That's the Polish uh, film that follows the donkey around mm-hmm. as he escapes or something. I don't know. I really hope it's not really sad because uh, I'm not in a place for that right now. But we shall see. Yeah, well, there's nothing like uh, putting, uh, pairing a, a moving piece of art about a donkey with, uh, you know, uh, a bear that eats uh, 
several kilos of cocaine and goes on a kill rampage. Those pair well together. They do. They do. <laughs> Where this is uh, going to be the zoologist in your life's favorite episode we've That's ever right. done. <laughs> so uh, and eos i think is poland's submission for best international feature oh is so. it nice or yeah yeah so there you go all right check us out in the meantime at the first you could find archives of the old shows report card uh everything is on there go off to facebook twitter instagram youtube do a search for the first run scroll 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 eventually you will find us head over to apple podcasts and uh, give us a review and help other people find the show like i say the screen run episode of starman just dropped it was a fun conversation that tech up a lot of weird subjects for a change and then we're recording actually um big trouble in little china uh oh, this week so nice. that'll be fun nice and uh there you go in the meantime uh take care of yourselves we uh, love you very much and we will see you all again soon see ya come on there's got to be a gun on this thing that looks like a gun